Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Hi everyone. This week I'm chatting with the journalist Gay Alcorn. Gay is the former editor of the Sunday Age and is currently the Melbourne editor of The Guardian Australia. She is also a frequent columnist and has recently written some interesting and somewhat controversial articles about gendered violence. In this interview we talk about Gay's articles. I ask about her issues with recent debate about gendered violence and why she believes we cannot always simply place a feminist frame on top of these sorts of events. Gay presents some real complexity about how we talk about gendered violence. She argues strongly for a different and more nuanced approach when dealing with these events. I hope you enjoy the interview and get something out of it, and we will see you next week. Today I'm talking with Gay Alcorn, a journalist at The Guardian Australia. Gay has written a number of interesting and provocative pieces about gendered violence, and that is what we're going to talk about today. Gay, thanks. thank you for taking the time to talk today. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, Well, I first came across your thoughts on gendered violence in an article you wrote in July last year titled, Let's Not Use the Murders of Women to Score Ideological Points. In the article, you argue that that there's never been so much discussion about violence against women, yet at the same time, you argue that at this point, it seems as though every act of violence or murder, especially against women, is too quickly used as evidence to make political or ideological points, however well-meaning. What are the sort of political points that you're talking about here that you think are being made? Well, in, in that article, I, I think I was discussing the uh, the murder of a young woman, uh, La Chol, and what I was trying to say, that which was a horrific murder, and there's someone being charged with that murder, but instantly, almost immediately, you had Peter Dutton saying, oh, this is about African gangs. Uh, Melbourne's got to do something about African gangs. When he said nothing at all about the ethnicity of various other women who'd been murdered here in the past few months. So he was using that to make a, a political point in the lead up to the Victorian election, um, which was irrelevant to that uh, that particular incident. The police made very clear ethnicity had nothing to do with this. The family said at the time something like, look, she made us being the right time, wrong time at the... What do I wrong, wrong time in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, and then, but, but I also thought that Daniel Andrews, who is extremely good on on uh, violence against women, has put a lot of money into domestic violence. Also, very quickly used it to make his political point, which was, 
oh, well, this is all, this murder is all to do about our lack of respect for women more broadly, when again, no evidence at that stage at all that that had anything to do with it. So that was the point I was making. We were at a point where something terrible happens and pre-existing views and political agendas, it's just sort of latched on to uh, uh, as more evidence for that pre-existing view. And I just can't see that's helpful in any way. Well, why do you think it's not helpful? I mean, in particular, the Daniel Andrews uh, comment is, is kind of the one I focus, want to focus on. I mean, it for, from, a I guess, a progressive perspective and often where we come from in our podcast, those sorts of, we could see things as such as violence against women as being inherently political. Um, and, you know, that there is a, there is a, you know, a politics of, 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 uh, of what our society is and, and why it allows that to continue to happen. But why do you think it, what is wrong with making those political points at that particular point of time? Well, because I, I kind of think, is, is it, is it true, I guess? Is it true, one, and is it helpful, two, um, as in uh, does it reduce these crimes or can it reduce these crimes in any way? So, I mean, is it true that uh, um, there's two issues here, one, two. In this particular case, I don't want to focus on just this particular case. Yep, yep. There, you know, I mean, I mean, does every single act of violence against a woman, no matter what it is, have to do with... Um, misogyny and the patriarchy. I'm not convinced that it does, and there was certainly no evidence in this case uh, that it had anything to do with that at all. She may well have just been caught up in a in a in a terrible fight and was indeed in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't know that that's that's yet to come out in court. It's 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 similar to um, uh, other acts of horrendous sort of murder and rape of women. We've seen a few of them in Melbourne in recent years, where it's immediately about oh this is a, to do with a broader culture of disrespect for women. And I just don't think there's any evidence for that. And I guess the other issue is if you focus on that as your main thing, if Andrew said it's all about that, it means he's not discussing some other issues that may very well be relevant. Uh, all the focus has become framing every act of violence against women in a feminist framework, which I think is important. Please don't get me wrong. But it just completely crowds out other things sometimes that may be actually more relevant. What are these other things that you're, you're you're thinking about? I mean, I think you said that in that article as well, that something about, I think you said that laying a feminist template over every instance of violence does not fit in all cases. You know, what, what is, what is a nuance that you think is lacking? What's, what are the other factors that we think you think we should be talking about? Well, I mean, I wrote an article kind of recently that was particularly um, uh, to do with the, with the horrific rape and murder of uh, the Palestinian Israeli um, foreign student in Melbourne recently, which was horrific. And again, it was very quickly interpreted as this is to do with respect against women. All men, are, all men are somehow implicated in this. Yeah, you referenced now, the Clementine Ford article there as well, didn't you? Right. And it was really it did come out of Clementine Ford's article and the response to it on Twitter. And look, I just read that article and I like Clem very much, and she's made a huge contribution in this area. But I just kind of thought enough for me. That was like, I'm sorry, when you're talking about very small number, about two or three a year. Um, and that's been that's been consistent in the last uh, 28, 30 years of random rape and murder of women, which are you know very very rare, but they're horrific. There's no doubt about it. There are other factors that we could be talking about if we talk to experts in this area who really do know a lot about these sorts of perpetrators that are possibly much more relevant than talking about uh, all, all men are somehow implicated in this um, because they don't call out sexist jokes. And they um, and we're and and because 
the low-level sexism somehow is linked to these particularly horrific um, uh, crimes. I kind of thought, look, I'm sure the, the perpetrators have not got great attitudes to women. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that that's the case. But there are so many other factors that we, we just don't discuss anymore because every act of violence of women is, is, is given that framework. And the, and the ones I was talking about were, I'm not an expert in this area, but there's a lot of evidence that, that people who commit these very, very serious types of crime um, are, 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 are strongly likely or there's a high degree of possibility that they have been sexually abused or physically abused as children, um, that they have been witnesses to, to very serious domestic violence, that they have been um, uh, seriously disadvantaged in a whole range of ways. It could be neglect. They are, you know, fair possibility they have got a mental illness or substance abuse. Um, we just don't, you know, surely when one of these horrific crimes happens, we can get some experts on these sorts of crimes to talk about, look, what could we be doing about this? What are the what are the um, the characteristics? And every case is different uh, in these cases, rather than just you know let's just have another I think pretty trite feminist analysis. I mean the reason I guess I was upset about it a bit was just recently there was um, before just before that murder was the the fuss and it was an interesting fuss about the Gillette ad that yep. was talking about masculinity and a more positive view of masculinity. I thought that was great, but somehow this was like. You know, one day we'll have an article about, oh, how outrageous men are for objecting to this or some women too for objecting to this because uh, it's all about hating men. And the next minute we run a very similar type articles about the rape and murder of a woman. And I thought these two things are not the same. Can we distinguish? Can we have some more sophisticated discussion about, you know, such a horrific, horrific crime? So I think someone like Clem, you know, I don't want to speak for her, but I think some people would argue that those things are the same in some ways and that, you know, she makes the argument in particular that it is everyday version it is everyday sexism you know those sorts of you know catcalling or disrespect for women that can lead to these sorts of violent acts now i take it that you disagree with that and can you maybe run through why you disagree with that sort of analysis uh as far as i know and again i'm not an expert there's just no evidence that i know of that uh everyday type sexism um is linked to the horrific rape and murder of a woman. That I just don't know of the I don't know any evidence of that. Now I read an interesting piece by Jane Gilmore after my piece came out. She's a feminist writer who was arguing that there is evidence and she quoted a, a study that there is. Um, so and I'll and I'll read that study and have a look at it. But again, Yeah, that's actually it's actually a book uh, that I've uh, that I've I also read that article and I've had to I've borrowed that book from my library. It's on my it's on my list. I think it's called I'm When I'm gonna do this thing. Yeah. Because certainly the, you know, a lot of the research that I've I've seen um, doesn't say that. Doesn't mean they've got great attitudes to to women, as I said, but that that there are there are really other strong factors that are involved there. So I mean, I mean, Clem's article, I mean, it did annoy me, I've got to say, because she was kind of saying that, you know, men pick a side. And I thought, really? Um, pick a side and sort of say, look, I'm, 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 I'm somehow responsible because of, I don't call out a sexist joke for this extreme act? I, I just don't think that's true. And I haven't seen evidence that those things are, are kind of causal in any way. Um, you know, we can talk about domestic violence, which is different, but I just don't, I just don't see it in, in this case. I haven't, I haven't seen the evidence for it. I mean, and even if there is some, in my view, there's such strong evidence that other factors are involved. Again, not ex that they don't excuse the men for 
doing these crimes at all. Yeah, yeah. But there's such strong evidence that other factors are really involved and we just rarely talk about them because we are framing, you know, almost any act of, of violence against women in, a, in this sort of, you know, catch-all feminist framework and I just don't think it, it enables us to get to the complexity of these cases at all. So actually, you you just touched on this a little bit when you talked about domestic violence there, and I think in this in this article that you wrote following the um the the rape and murder of of the uh, of Aya Masawe, who was the Palestinian Israeli woman, um, you said that you talked about the difference between sort of uh, domestic violence and stranger murders, and and often how those two things have been conflated. Uh, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about why you think it's important to sort of separate those two issues to an extent. <laughs> Um, well, you know, this is complicated, Simon, but, yeah. uh, and I have written a fair bit about domestic violence and, uh, and I have concerns about how that's covered too, to some extent, but there is no doubt that domestic violence is gendered. The, I mean, crime overall, murders, assaults, overwhelmingly the perpetrators are men and the vast majority of the victims are men too. That changes when it comes to domestic violence. The, 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 you know, a strong majority of victims of domestic violence are women. It is a gendered crime. And there is a lot of evidence that attitudes to women um, and stereotyped attitudes about uh, gender roles and so on means that, 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 that men or young, young teenage boys even, there's a lot of research on this, sort of have, can kind of tolerate it and think, well, it's maybe not too bad or they might victim blame if they have very stereotyped attitudes to women. I think domestic violence is more complex than, than it's being portrayed, um, again, in a feminist framework anyway. So I've got a similar view on, on that. Can you but touch on that a little bit, why you think it's more complex? Sorry, can you just touch on why you think it's more complex uh, than how it's been framed before we before we continue on on this, just to get a little bit, bit of that information? Okay. So uh, I totally accept that domestic violence is a gendered crime. I totally accept that gender inequality is um, uh, a strong factor in why uh, we have domestic violence. I, think that's, I don't think that's arguable, actually. The men's rights people might argue against it, but I don't think that's arguable. But again, we've got we've had this framing in Australia in the last four or five years, which is so dominant in terms of government and policy. And again, I go back to you know Daniel Andrews' comment. Immediately, he goes to even in a the most extreme form of rape and murder. This is about respect for women. So we have this framing now of domestic violence that it is uh, that the, the the cause of it is gender inequality. I accept that to a large extent but not fully. And again, I don't think we are, are discussing enough the complexity in that, in that issue. For instance, I mean, if you, if you accept that um, when you talk about crime generally, that uh, in the progressive view, certainly, we would say, and you only have to look at it, that people who are in jail for certain crimes are very concentrated amongst the most disadvantaged people. Mm -hmm. And if you look at domestic violence in terms of um, police reports, and I know that's not the only form of domestic violence, financial abuse and so on, but if you look at police reports on domestic violence, again, it's very concentrated in a certain number of postcodes, um, particularly in uh, rural areas, and extremely high in our most disadvantaged communities, which are Indigenous communities. But somehow um, uh, it, the, those factors are downplayed. And, in fact, it's often overtly said, oh, this cuts across class and age, it doesn't matter, all women are, and all, you know, all men and all women are, are implicated. And, of course, that's true. I mean, domestic violence happens in every area. But it's, it's very concentrated in certain areas 
and but we just not discuss because we have to lay this framework that it's all about gender inequality. So uh, I, I accept that gender inequality is important, but it's it's in the feminist framing of it, I think they downplay um, issues like alcohol. There's almost ninety percent of murders in Aboriginal communities, domestic murders, are alcohol related. Mm-hmm. What the feminist framework says is, oh, but that lets men off the hook. You know, that's not a cause of domestic violence. It might be a contributing factor, but it's not a cause. Now, there are, you know, alcohol researchers who say, look, this is all a bit semantic. If it's so involved in some areas, whether you cause it a cause or a call it a cause or a contributing factor factor is a, is sort of irrelevant if our aim is to actually reduce it. You know, but but it, there, there is ideology in this area that means that other factors are sort of downplayed or not discussed enough or um, sort of dismissed even. And if you're trying to reduce domestic violence, somehow we've got to allow those other discussions in. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, so just going back to that other question then about the difference between stranger violence and, and domestic violence, you were sort of going down the path of, of, of answering that and then I cut you off. Um, so, I mean, in the article you argue, I mean, and you were starting to talk about how sort of there's a there's quite a different sort of gendered nature between the two. Um, can you just sort of finish off some of those thoughts there about about how those about how those two things are different? Well, as I was saying, I mean, there there, there is no doubt about it at all that sort of a, a gender inequality is a, a strong factor in domestic violence. There's a lot of research in that. Um, when you look at uh, and, you know, I'm not even saying that there's, that's not a factor at all in um, uh, stranger rape and murder. There are very small numbers. If you look at random murders in Australia, which, again, are, are very small mm. compared to murders of acquaintances or murders of family members. So we're talking about a very small number. The vast majority of victims there are men too. So in domestic violence, obviously the vast majority of victims are women. In in stranger um, murders, they are not, they're still men. And then the other question would be that, um, you know, is there evidence? I'm open if people say there is. Is there is there evidence that there is a causal link between casual sexism or that we're in a patriarchy um, and, uh, and these very rare and pretty consistent extreme acts of, 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 of violence, which, I mean, I'd love to get rid of them, but I'm not sure if it's possible to have none, but we still be, should be aiming for that, obviously. And this is obviously the extreme end um, of, uh, of, um, of, you know, violence and murder. So I, I don't know if there's any evidence of what Clem Ford was saying was right. And also um, I don't think it's quite as gendered in the way as um, uh, is domestic violence is, as far as I'm aware. So in the in that article as well, I mean, and I think this this sort of follows on from this. You talk about the sort of gender culture wars as being as something that you're sort of reacting against, and and I mean, I I just said to you before we started recording that I'm doing my research into men's rights groups, and I think it's interesting because a lot of men's rights groups uh, talk about things like the fact that the majority of murders. Uh, the majority of homicides are committed against against men. Uh, and uh, so they sort of make some of these sort of similar arguments. And I'm wondering if you worry uh, about your arguments being sort of, uh, I guess there's two, two questions actually here. Firstly, do you worry about your arguments sort of going into that space, into that sort of men's rights space, but also... What? How can we then, given what you're saying, you know, what what is a gender culture war, and how can we, what what's what's wrong with that gender culture war? You know, is there some way that you can actually bridge these sorts of divides when we're talking about these sorts of issues? 
there's a couple of questions there. Yeah. Actually, first one, I really do worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, because uh, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong feminist and I look at the men's rights arguments, and but not even to the men's rights arguments, but even people like sort of Bettina Rahns and some of the conservative yep. columnists who just sort of dismiss um, almost domestic violence as, oh, this is some sort of, um, you know, feminist plot and uh, it's anti-men and, and I just don't agree with that at all. You know, I'm, well, I guess I'm arguing for is a, 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 a an allowance for other factors to be included and for us to address in a more serious way. To give you one example, I mean, I read through the entire Royal Commission into Domestic Violence in Victoria, the, all the, the transcripts and the submissions. Yep. It was it was a fantastic Royal Commission and really important. But, you know, you had a whole day of hearings on alcohol, rightly or wrongly, and of, of uh, the, the and some 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 you know alcohol campaigners would say this is low hanging fruit. We know that the more uh, you know liquor barns we have in our suburbs, the more domestic violence we'll have. The research is clear. We, we know that in some Aboriginal communities that have led by themselves have really reduced alcohol, domestic violence, and all forms of violence reduced dramatically. These these things we can do now. There's no coverage of their evidence at all. You know, not at all. There was uh, there was evidence by um, uh, Patrick McGorry, the mental health expert, about mental illness and uh, uh, domestic violence, and saying, "Look, this has been squeezed out." Um, but no coverage of him at all. The, the the mainstream media, in my view, apart from your you know really conservative uh, columnists, have not scrutinised this area not in a in a men's right way at all, just in a normal journalistic scrutiny of look, is it true that gender inequality is at the root cause and almost the 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 the, the only real cause, um, or not? What's the evidence for that? What's the overseas evidence for that? So uh, I'm just trying to say, look, there are other factors that are downplayed or not given the the publicity and the prominence they should be. I am not saying that. Uh, that domestic violence is not a gender crime in any way, and I'm not saying that. Uh, um, but it's, it, it was feminists that sort of got domestic violence uh, into the public realm anyway. If it wasn't for feminists, we wouldn't have refuges. Feminism, feminist, feminism has been crucial in getting getting domestic violence, which was this hidden crime that police didn't take seriously, and we all just accepted it happened, and we weren't going to talk about it. It's been feminists who've got that into the into the public arena. So. I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for that that framework. I'm just saying, look, it seems to to, to push out some other areas that we where we where we could actually make some real impact on the levels of domestic violence. Now I've forgotten what your second question. The second was. question is about the gender culture wars, and I guess about how you know you argue against the gender culture wars. I guess I wanted to ask you. This is sort of a sort of I guess arguing as a gender culture wars is almost a summary of what you've been saying so far, but I think it's an interesting point in terms of going back to, for example, men's rights groups, which are an er obvious area of interest for myself, about whether there's potential to sort of have a more nuanced discussion that bridges these divides a little bit. Oh, look, I hope so. I mean, I, I guess I got upset with Clem's article in particular because of this, because of the Gillette ad. Now, that was a classic gender culture war thing. Mm. So, and I thought the ad was great. But, um, you know, you had the more conservatives saying, oh, this is uh, anti-men and you're trying to sort of um, uh, criminalise masculinity. And, 
um, you know, this is so PC. And then you've got the the um, more feminist perspective saying, oh, look at these pathetic men. Um, how could they possibly, you know, criticise uh, this ad for actually saying he's a positive view of men? Uh, and it just goes on and on. And, and, it's, and in some ways it's quite good fun. It sort of spawns a thousand op-eds yep. and we have a discussion about it. Some, some interesting things come out of it, but it's this entrenched position. I just thought, oh, God, when it comes to the, comes to a, a, you know, the rape and murder of a young woman, I kind of think it's a bit serious to sort of go into that same sort of pattern and can we just actually hear from some people who know a lot about these sorts of crimes, about how we might prevent them um, uh, and what might be the cause of them and and what could we do, if anything, to sort of uh, uh, reduce, these, reduce these things. I just thought it was a bit too serious for sort of the, the, the you know, the, the constant sort of gender culture war stuff that goes on, you know, on, on the internet, I suppose. I was just, I was interested, you said uh, in your last answer that you think that when it comes to media reporting in particular, all of these crimes that sort of, you know, you're talking about the, the, the Royal Commission and how it sort of ignored all of this interesting evidence, but it, and this sort of builds into a sort of a broader thing that you're talking about, how we, we only focus on one part of these crimes. Do you have any thoughts about why it is that we've gotten to this stage where uh, these important things are being ignored? Uh, I think it's because, uh, look, it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, feminine was pretty dead, you know, when I was kind of a young woman in the 80s or so, and it has had this renaissance, which is a wonderful thing in the last, um, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And, uh, and it's, and it's kind of angry and it's, it's sort of, um, uh, punchy and it is uh, fantastic. And you know, Me Too is obviously the the the, um, the the modern. It's one of the most significant things that cultural things that have happened in my lifetime. And, and you can sort of see there might be a cultural shift in that. So, but it also has caused a lot of loud voices, and 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 even the media generally. We you know, in the term, you know nuance is kind of an unfashionable word, isn't it? Yeah. To sort of say, look, there, this issue is a bit complex. And there might be some different factors here is not something I think is particularly kind of welcome. And also it is undoubted in my view that um, in the last 10 years or so, the feminist framework of domestic violence as being caused by gender inequality, that's the root cause, um, is has been accepted in at government level and policy level in a pervasive way and and in the mainstream media also in a pervasive way apart from the outliers like patina Arndt and the men's right movement it is not questioned and i guess i have we've quite reluctantly actually and quite nervously have questioned it not that it's not really important but that it tends to squash out other other areas that we could be looking at too um and you know so i, I guess that's my answer it's just become the unquestioned analysis whenever there is a, um, a violence against women. Great. Um, I've just got a couple of final questions for you. I, it, you said you listened to our latest episode in which we sort of debated the sort of individualist versus structural approach to dealing with these yeah. issues. Uh, and um, I mean, and in, in your latest article, you, I think you argue that sort of calling out sexist behaviour, however laudable, cannot be expected to stop violence against women. I mean, I mean, intrigued as why, I mean, we've you've talked about the lack of connection there, but why why do you what what are the sort of approaches do you think we need to be taking when dealing with violence against women you know is sort of men you know calling out sexist violence not enough 
Uh, why is that not enough or, or what do you think is a better approach than that? Oh, there's a lot of questions there. There is, um, sorry. <laughs> there's a lot of questions there. And I just wanted to raise, I'll, I'll raise them in sequence if I can. Yep. So a few days after my article came out and um, there was an article uh, that Melbourne University published by Professor Kathy Humphreys and Dr Gemma McGibbon, which was talking about and they're very well-known experts, particularly in the area of um, family violence um, uh, with Cathy Humphreys anyway. But they were talking about, okay, we've had this horrendous murder and rape of this woman. What could we do? And they did talk about something I just referred to briefly because I'm not an expert in my article, about the absolute lack of early intervention programs in Australia, despite recommendations of the, the Royal Commission, about when, when you've got young um, or teenagers or young people with who've got tendencies to have really violent um, or sexual violent thoughts, uh, is there a way to sort of intervene and, uh, you know, tr try to sort of get them off that path? And they were saying there's just no programs in Australia for that or very few and there's a real need for it. And it ended up saying, if I can read it, the research evidence shows that early intervention services for children and young people's harmful sexual behaviour must be developed and implemented now because it could save another one, young woman's life. I mean, that's the point. I mean, I'm not saying that's the answer. You know, their experts will have uh, better answers than I do. But at, at least this was an article that was discussing some practical things that we could do um, rather than sort of talking about, uh, you know, sexist jokes and, you know, calling out your mates. Anyway, that's one. On the other issue, though, I'm a big supporter of respectful relationships programs. I've um, read the curriculum in Victoria, which the state that has really advanced this in a, in a significant way and is putting big money into it. And the actual uh, underlying uh, aim of that program is to prevent or reduce domestic violence. Even though if you read it, it's much broader than that. You know, it's sort of, uh, it's about respecting difference, um, about, you know, even, you know, cliched things like, well, why can't, you know, boys like pink or why can't girls like blue? Mm. But also just, you know, someone likes an orange. This is in the young years, very small children. Someone likes an orange, someone hates oranges. Just difference and kind of dealing with conflict. In the later years about consent and what that might mean and about um, looking after uh, people if they get into trouble, getting your friends if they get into trouble, and again about sexual differences, differences in appearance. I think it's a fantastic program. If it prevents sexual um, domestic violence down the track, well and good. If it doesn't, then I still think it's a really worthwhile program, and that is about uh, small acts of 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 recognising what sexism is, recognising what stereotypes are, um, and just just to go back a little bit, the whole aim of the cultural, the gender inequality um, cause of domestic violence is the only way we're going to prevent it is to have a complete cultural change, a generational total transformation about how we raise boys, how we raise girls. And the, the, the Our Watch people who are the body who are um, uh, charged with preventing domestic violence, yep. they will acknowledge that this hasn't been tried anywhere in the world. This is an experiment. Um, there's been no country that's tried to put this transformational approach into place, a cultural transformation, uh, and has got a reduction of domestic violence. It's it's a it's a um, uh, it's an experiment. In my view, a worthwhile experiment because even if it doesn't work with domestic violence, and let's hope it does, I think it will be would be great. So yes, so so do I think men calling out other men for making a sexist joke? 
Is it a good idea? Yes, I do. In the same ways, hopefully, if I heard a racist joke, I'd say, look, that's not on. Um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a workplace environment, if the culture is sexual harassment is completely not okay, the evidence is those sort of bystander um, uh, interventions are helpful. So, of course I do. I guess uh, um, whether or not those things will prevent domestic violence, I mean, they can't. They can't hurt if, if men if men sort of think in their own workplace or their own friends saying, you know, it's not the way we treat women, um, don't make jokes about rape. Um, I think, they're, I think they're, those things are good. I guess I was trying to say, look, in this particular case where we're talking about the very small number of rape and murders, to, to talk about those things in that context is sort of of is uh, is, is is out of proportion, and 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 there are much more significant things that we know are involved in those sorts of crimes that we just don't seem to talk about much. Yep. One, sense, yeah, it does. It, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. So, just one final question. Um, and you're a journalist, uh, and yes. I mean that's your primary trade, obviously. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, you know, in the future, if if and when another one of these horrendous crimes happens, which which unfortunately is probably will will happen. Like I, I don't want it to, obviously. Um, but in in that in that case, I'm wondering what you think about what's how would you prefer to see things reported compared to how it currently happens when these sorts of things happen? I would like the coverage to point out more clearly that these these particular crimes are very, very rare. Um, and I perfectly understand why uh, they cause fear in the community. Um, that they're, they're, they're just sort of almost, you know, um, almost primeval fear of... of uh, being attacked and raped and murdered by a stranger is kind of a nightmare that that many people have, particularly women. Um, and but I would like the reporting to point out how rare they are, which often doesn't. And I would like the reporting to actually um, go and interview people who are experts on these sorts of crimes and say, look, what what are the common characteristics if there are any? And uh, and some people say that. You know, it's very difficult to make um, comparisons, but what are they? And also, is there a way to prevent these sorts of crimes and also other ones that may not be as horrendous but very violent um, crimes? And some sort of some sort of ideas about if early intervention programs, just one example, which has had no mainstream, mainstream coverage at all, um, and not simply say. Oh, this is another example of you know men's disrespect against women, and and you know we're in a patriarchy, and why can't well, all men are in some way responsible? I just don't think that helps very much. So I guess uh, a, a different kind of reporting that doesn't have that knee-jerk response immediately, um, I think, would be useful. Great, thank you. That's that's that's, that's a great answer. Do I think to finish off, um, Gay? Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to Queers. You are very welcome. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this interview, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. We've been really blown away with the amount of support we've received on the Patreon so far. And if you'd like to support us on the Patreon and get some extra new content, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash queers podcast. Otherwise, if you'd like to get in touch or make a comment, you can do so via multiple ways on the internet. You can email us at queerspodcasts at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Queers Podcast. We also have personal social media accounts. I'm on Twitter at Simon Copland, and Ben is on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. I am also on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer, and if you want to follow Gay, you can follow Gay on Twitter at Gay underscore Alcorn. 
You can also find the podcast on our website, queerspodcast.com, or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts on your phone or device. Please make sure you leave a review and rating, as that is a great way for other people to find the podcast. And finally, make sure you tell a friend. Maybe share our podcast on social media, or just tell a friend if you enjoyed this interview and send it along. Uh, Word of mouth is a really great way to get the podcast out there. Thanks a lot for listening, and we look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks' time. 